your podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Hello and welcome, everybody. This is Joe from StartupRate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog from Germany, as well as the world's first internet radio station dedicated to startups and tech companies. Today, we are bringing you another interview in our series sponsored by Invest in Hessen. If you haven't already done so, make sure to hit the like and subscribe button and leave us a very nice comment. If you're listening to this or watching this somewhere where there are no show notes, make sure to look at www.startupradio.io forward slash blog and there you'll find the show notes with all the links. Whew. Now that we have this out of the way, Marcus, welcome. How are you doing? Thanks, I'm fine. And you? Great, thank you. We had a few technical difficulties with my tool, but now we found the recording button and everything's totally fine. It turned out I was just logging in with the wrong link. Now that we have a recording, we may tell the people that we are recording this um, interview because, um, as we said, it's sponsored by Invest in Hessen. And you guys are headquartered in Hessen with a company called Crossings, spelled C-R-O-S-S-I-N-X. And this company made just last month an exit of more than of 100 million euros to another company. That's why we're talking. By the way, congratulations, massive success. Hopefully we have more of them. And um, let us get started on how you got started in the startup world. As always, I link down here in the show notes your uh, LinkedIn profile, and there people can see um, you have not always been an entrepreneur, right? You you had corporate jobs before. Well, a couple, well, at least one before. Uh, so that that's true. Um, well, after my studies uh, of business administration, um, I started my professional career at Lufthansa, um, which was that job you, you're mentioning. Um, specifically in, in the area of uh, Lufthansa Air Plus, which is kind of the uh, credit card travel cost company within the Lufthansa group. Uh, and that's where it basically all, all started. Um, so um, that was back in, uh, well, uh, 98, uh, when I finally started my first company uh, from, from Lufthansa, where I was involved in, uh, well, marketing, sales uh, support. And uh, at that time, during well the internet hype uh, and starting of internet, um, it was uh, there was a question about um, starting a, a web page first of all uh, for Lufthansa, and I was kind of the first one to raise my hand to do the job. Um, and uh, well, after starting the the web page, then it was about well, what kind of business model would we really try to apply uh, for Lufthansa uh, in the internet. And um, that's where I started to think about different business models and came up with the idea of uh, creating a platform or a network, I should say, to exchange uh, invoice information or uh, document information. Well, uh, 
for everybody who is not familiar with uh, Germany, we may add Lufthansa as the German flag carrier, the biggest airline here in Germany and one of the biggest ones in Europe. And Airplus, as you said, is their division. They actually issue very great business card, uh, business credit cards in my past job. I also had one of them and I loved it every time no other, uh, no other credit card work it did it's just an amazing tool and it's one of the very few things i'm missing right now um and I, just to make sure uh, i understood you right you were one of the people who worked on the first website of lufthansa yes at least at the, of the division <laughs> and uh, creating email addresses so at the very beginning of everything really <laughs> yeah Oh, you, you you started your job before there, everybody had an email for work, right? That's true. Okay, um, it, enough bothering you about your age and this time. Uh, but um, th then you've been talking about website, digital, creating a website. How did it get you into your entrepreneurship life? When did you make like the leap uh, in uh, the leap of faith, and how did you do it? And what was kind of the reasoning behind it? Yeah, exactly. So, well, as I said, I started the, to create a business model around e-invoices, invoice exchange, uh, because I've seen that, well, this is, was obviously everything was still on paper. Um, and, uh, it was obvious that, that there was a need to, to get that digitalized. Um, and, uh, well, that was what I was looking for. Um, After creating the business model, I also talked to the University of Frankfurt, which was pretty advanced at that time uh, in the area of XML document exchange that just came up at that time. Um, and uh, well, when we wanted to uh, create the, the platform, the network, uh, Lufthansa decided, well, it's not our core business. Uh, please look for someone externally to finance the business model. And uh, that's actually what I did. Um, and uh, well, at that time, it was quite easy to get a financing uh, at the very beginning. So after just uh, well, around, around about two months, uh, we finally found someone um, to, to finance the business and uh, to start the company called Seals at that time. Uh, just, just one question, because um, invoicing with xml with digital invoicing it's still around there's still some companies or maybe much more than some companies uh, many more sorry poor english many more companies than just a few who are actually still making a business out of that so that's a problem you've discovered in the late 90s early 2000s i assume and the problem is still around and nobody has found a uh, 100% solution yet. So you've been on to something great. Uh, what happened then to the company Seals? Well, it was, as I said, at the very beginning of, of many things. And uh, obviously, we were the first ones across Europe to start such a business, um, even though there was not even uh, the legal framework to exchange electronic invoices. So it was still the question whether are we talking about the original invoice or is it a copy or how to how to deal with it and uh, also for the tax authorities a problem uh, how to deal with it and that only came up later 
So again, we were very early with that business model and had some challenges uh, actually. So um, well, after three years, uh, we, we had to, to give up that business model. Um, it uh, We did win a couple of customers already, but uh, need to uh, declare insolvency at that time, uh, after which I sold the, the remaining company uh, personally, uh, bought it, sorry, <laughs> of course, uh, first, and continued the business with those customers on my own. Uh, so we reduced the staff to four people um, at that time. And before that, we, we had like 30, 40 people working on that. Um, and the financing of that company was done through, well, selling chairs and tables, actually. Um, and only a couple of months later, I got the opportunity to sell this company to uh, a Finnish company. Uh, which was in that business as well and was about to expand to, to Germany and Central Europe. So let me get this straight. You got into insolvency with your first company. You bought it out personally. You financed it by selling chairs and tables. And a few months later, you then again sold it to a Finnish company. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> where, where I continued the business for another five years. Um, uh, and, uh, well, we, we developed it, winning more customers, etc. Yeah. Um, and then you went on to start another startup company. Well, the, the story continues like, uh, that, that Finnish company, uh, stopped their business, which was not only invoicing, but much more than that, uh, completely in Central Europe. So, uh, again, we were, we had to decide whether to continue or not. Uh, and uh, we decided again to continue and develop from scratch a new solution and start a completely new business with four people, uh, which was then in 2007 um, when we started mm -hmm. Crossings. Ah, okay. So basically, you stayed on to this company, then uh, the new owner said, okay, we're going to shut this down. And then you started crossings. Exactly. Yeah. What, what, what was the idea behind it? And did you take some of the people from your former company with you? Yes. Well, we took uh, four people with me. So we started with five people, um, especially the, the technical colleagues that were able to develop the new platform, because as I said, we, had to develop it from scratch again. Um, and also we're able to continue with some of the customers that uh, used the network uh, already earlier. Um, and that was the, the beginning of the crossing story. Um, and uh, after starting crossings, we had the opportunity again to take in a couple of investors. Uh, but uh, at that time, rather private investors, business angels than, than really venture capital companies. How hard was it back in 2007 to find business angels? Was it like you just have your personal network or was it like some startups tell me uh, I pitched to 60, 70, 100, 120 different investors and the last one finally invested? Was it like that? Yeah. Well, I was lucky to have a, an interesting private network and, and did find kind of family and friends uh, investors at the very beginning, which made life uh, much easier. 
And, and also after the experience we had before, um, we clearly wanted to avoid venture capital investors at, at that point in time um, to be sure that they have a long-term interest in developing and building the company really. Um, and uh, that worked out with a couple of, um, well, yeah, business angels and private investors. Mm -hmm. Would be, before we get into crossings and your exit, um, I would like also to mention that you've been the chairman of the European FinTech Alliance. Uh, how did this happen and what did you learn there? <laughs> well, that came uh, a bit later in, in the process. I always try to, to engage in associations to promote these new ideas. Um, before the European FinTech Alliance, it was, um, uh, it was other associations like Verband Elektronische Rechnung, so German association really being dedicated to invoices, electronic invoices, and to make that popular. Uh, afterwards, it was European Association for E-Invoicing, uh, ESPA, both of them are still around and I'm co-chairing those. Um, only later on, um, I started or, well, joined this initiative, European FinTech Alliance, uh, just a couple of years ago, when we also uh, started to be more active also in financing of invoices, um, so being even closer to, to FinTechs. Um, and uh, what, but I no longer have that position with the European FinTech Alliance um, today. I was wondering, at what point did you guys actually consider yourself a fintech? Because I remember uh, the first fintech reviews I did was like something, uh, something around 2014. By the way, it's still around. Look on our channel on the 25th of December each year, and you'll uh, you'll see it. Um, when when did you actually realize? Oh oh, look, we we are fintech. That's actually what we are doing. And do you still consider yourself a fintech? Yeah. Well, actually, we do. Um, I mean, at the beginning, there were of course many definitions of what a fintech really is. Whether it's only a startup company or also a mature company. Um, whether they need to deal with financing as such. But our definition also across the European FinTech Alliance, for example, was always it needs to deal with financial and technical processes. And uh, that's obviously what we do to exchange invoices, to initiate payments. Uh, and we even got closer over time uh, to, to payments and financing. Uh, so definitely, I would consider ourselves to be a fintech company. Now, I do believe that's the point we talked about already 15 minutes. Now it's the point to get into actually what Crossings does. Uh, can you tell this a little bit in, in your own words? Yes, sure, I'll try. Um, what, we, what we developed is really a, a network uh, a cloud-based network uh, to exchange invoices in the B2B space um, where we are primarily active in. Uh, we started with the business case that we help rather large companies to collect the invoices from their different suppliers, whether small or large, um, through our platform and network, converted it into a data format that can be um, 
process by their ERP system so that they can automatically book the invoice without touching them or do any manual processing with the invoice. Uh, that's where we come from. And we added different services over time, uh, starting by even managing paper invoices and extracting the information from the paper, um, then added uh, a solution for well sending invoices to different parties uh, and even adding uh, different types of documents like orders, dispatch advices, order confirmations, and so on to cover really the whole process of uh, as we call it, financial supply chain. We may add for our audience that actually um, that is very important because in big companies, uh, you're completely lost when you just mail uh, with your invoice number to their official mailing address, uh, maybe physical or digital, uh, mail an invoice. And there's not somebody walking around uh, on the hallways and yelling, who are in, who are this? Who is paying it? Basically, they just send it back. Sorry, guys, not paying it. Uh, send it to the right person. And that's actually one of the many things you're, you're helping them with is getting the invoice to the right person and making sure they can check it and all the information included because that's also... Um, an important part, how much did we produce? Where did we produce it? It's, it's also part of your supply chain business. So that's, that's my understanding. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and we also do the validation of the content of the invoice. So it's not only um, converting it to a different data format to be processed in an ERP system, but we also check whether it's tax compliant, for example, whether it has all information tax authorities would expect on an invoice as one example. But we will also check whether it covers all requirements such a company has because it might ask for an order number on the invoice or a cost center or whatever it is. And, and that is something we check on the invoice and web in case it's not complete we would also return it to a supplier and asking for additional information. So it's much more than just uh, taking from A to B, uh, but really checking the content. It would be very useful to the supplier as well as to, to your client if you send it back and say, okay, look, this information is missing. Um, I've, I've now experienced a few times when I was like getting myself all my data up in some systems that have been coded apparently in the early 2000s late 90s and basically you press the save button and just says error you don't know where this come from or what's happening so that that was what i had in mind you actually tell them look here there has to be cost center and you're not sending it back and say hey guys this this invoice has an error uh, be best right. best message would be um, unspecific error. <laughs> exactly. No, it's a bit more advanced indeed. Uh, so we really tell them what's missing and how they should send it again. That is actually pretty cool stuff. And uh, you guys been uh, sending around invoices, getting invoices, getting useful information back and forth. And um, now, how... Did it actually happen that you guys are selling your company? 
I mean, uh, did, did you walk around and say, hey, guys, we're up for sale? Did you look for an investor or did somebody approach you? Hey, we are looking for a strategic toehold in Frankfurt. And that's why. Yeah. Well, we were not actively looking uh, to, to sell the company, actually. Um, we had own ideas and plans to, to expand because... Uh, well, as I just told you, we started with rather large companies that were driving the market in the beginning. But meanwhile, and during the last couple of years, uh, it's more and more used also within the German Mittelstand, uh, mid-sized companies, even smaller companies using those solutions. And we developed those solutions uh, that can be used out of the box um, for, for the mid-sized and, and small companies and became market leader in, in the, let's say, German-speaking area. And um, pretty obvious that, well, you won't have hundreds of those networks across Europe. Uh, you could look at it like in, in the telecommunication industries where you will have like maybe five, six, seven different providers across Europe. Uh, the same will happen over time in, in that area. And that's why we uh, looked at an exp international expansion. Uh, we already started to acquire a company uh, on our own before that. Um, so we had our own little M&A strategy. Uh, so it kind of happened by mistake that uh, we came across a unified post, um, but which was really interesting because there are so many synergies um, between the companies. Um, and additional services that each of us can, can use from the other party, that uh, it was a perfect fit to, to move on jointly. Mm -hmm. I see. And uh, can you tell me how the first contact actually happened? Because I think uh, you were not walking around in a building and said, hey, uh, that's a good match. Let's buy you. No, let's buy you. Uh, how, did, how did actually the first contact happen? Well, um, as I told you, I'm, I'm co-chairing the European Invoicing Association, ISPA, and, and know a couple of people, uh, and they know me. Um, so, uh, Unified Post, the first time they came to me is three years ago, actually, uh, and already started the discussion, um, but we, we had no plans to, to discuss that further. Um, and then they went public. Uh, themselves only during September last year uh, and after doing so they came back um, with, with well with another discussion next ideas and uh, also developed new solutions actually in the area of payment and supply chain finance uh, which were perfect fit to to what we currently do and that's why we started the discussion um, when they came back now uh, during February March Let's get a little bit back to your investors because I've seen one of your share owners is actually KFW, which is the German development bank, and they are administrating a lot of public money for different projects from building a house to buying a new truck for a farmer to whatever. So how did it happen that you got them as investors? Yeah, well, that was pretty at the beginning. Um of crossings, not the first investors, but um, they did run a program at that time where they doubled the investment of another private investor. 
Um, and uh, we became aware of that program. And when we had, uh, well, a second round of financing um, with another private investor, another business angel, actually, um, we did get in contact with KfW using this specific program. Uh, and they were convinced about the business and uh, agreed on, um, well, funding it. But they didn't give you trouble in terms of the exit. <laughs> no, why should they? <laughs> I see. And also, when we talk about your shareholders, I see that approximately 4% are owned by your employees, which is pretty awesome because they get uh, they get their share in the exit proceeds. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit how hard it is, how difficult it was to actually get this Mitarbeiterbeteiligungsprogramm, this uh, this employee uh, shareholder program up and running? Well, we started that at the very beginning, actually. Um, it was not that uh, popular at that time. Um, yet nowadays you have more possibilities to create such a program. Um, but, uh, well, that way it was pretty easy. It was, uh, to be honest, limited to the other founders of, of the company, uh, which were joining that, that program. Um, but uh, it, it was started from the beginning. This podcast is sponsored by Invest in Hessen. Make sure to pay them a visit down here in the show notes. There's the link. And of course, we would be a little bit interested why you guys set up your shop in Frankfurt, in Hessen, and how your experiences have been so far. Well, besides the fact that I'm born in Frankfurt uh, and still enthusiastic about the city, <laughs> Um, I think it has a lot of advantages uh, anyway. Uh, perfect infrastructure to um, to run the business in the middle of Germany, uh, perfectly situated and, and to, to reach other cities um, from north to south uh, and with a good infrastructure. Um, that's the main reason why we obviously stayed in, in Frankfurt. And uh, at the beginning, you also had good access to, to other startup companies, even though there were, of course, some challenges still to, uh, to find the right contact person uh, for, for every single issue you might have. We are already, already running uh, more than 25 minutes, and there would still be a lot I would like to ask you, but actually i don't want uh i don't want to extend this interview as long as i would love to <laughs> unfortunately um, but let let me ask you about your plan what are you going to do after the exit you're going to retire you're going to become a full-time investor a business angel uh what what will you do uh well first of all i will continue uh to have a role within the the new group unified post group um be a member of the executive board of the of the group as well and um, try to well facilitate the integration and uh, develop the business now as a joint offering uh, so that will be what it will be doing primarily but uh, in parallel of course I will also try to help uh, other um, uh, founders to start a business and act as a, as a business angel started to have first contacts already, uh, specifically in the B2B space. I think that's where I can uh, help with some experience that I made the last, well, 20 years now. 
I think that are amazing closing words. Um, you made an exit. You're going to continue to mentor and invest in other B2B startups, which I think is a very important step in kind of developing Frankfurt as a startup hub. I do believe there are not enough people like this here yet. Hopefully, there will be a, a more in the next few years. Only thing left for me to say is thank you very much for being here. It was a pleasure to have you as an interview guest. And thanks to our sponsor, InvestFest. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. If you are a professional looking at the European startup scene, Germany is a place you cannot miss. Fortunately for you, there is StartupRad.io, the authority on German startups. This English-only podcast brings you fresh interviews each week. Most likely, you have never heard or read anything on these startups before in English, but you will in the future. Be ahead of the curve and subscribe to StartupRad.io podcast or check for the StartupRad.io internet radio station. Check your Alexa for the StartupRad.io skill as well.